Okay, so today I have John Gensler um, from Artist Verified, and he's agreed to um, participate in today's Founders Predicament um, podcast. So first of all, John, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Ray. And um, really, the, the first question I have for you is like, how did how did you get into becoming a startup founder and what led you to this? So could you talk about your career before Artist Verified? Absolutely. So um, I, I'm, as you can see in the background, I'm a, I'm a musician uh, and I've been a musician for my whole life. So um, my first you know, career choice was to play music. Uh, and I did that uh, professionally until I was about 30. Um, and then I decided that uh, the life of a struggling musician uh, wasn't all that it's cracked up, up to be. And I'd rather uh, be a semi-professional musician and still make music, but also have uh, another career path as well, which uh, led me to the music industry. And uh, I started out in ticketing. Uh, my first real job was uh, with Ticketmaster. So I, I developed a background in ticketing early on. I was there for seven years. Um, and at, at about the point of seven years, I decided I wanted to work more closely with artists. So um, I found an opportunity to go to a startup called Artist Arena, uh, where I was basically the first hire and artist arena was essentially the first artist services company, um, serving artists and bands and, and solo artists and, uh, basically any type of music entity, um, as a artist to fan service, uh, provider. So, uh, we were the first company to do VIP ticketing. We were the f one of the first companies to do pre-sales for artists. So Warner Music Group uh, in 2011 uh, decided they they wanted to take our services in-house in and they uh, bought the company. So uh, Artist, Artist Arena was sold and uh, the sale was completed in 2012 um, to Warner Music Group. Uh, and at that point, I worked for Warner uh, in-house um, for about a year. Um, and at that point, they decided they wanted to kind of uh, cut back um, the uh, the team and kind of run things the way they wanted to. So um, I was let go as well as the original CEO of Artist Arena and a couple of the other uh, high-level uh, team members. And at that I'm point, sorry. I kind of... Let me, just, let me just ask you, because uh, that's interesting. So you got laid off by Warner. Were they trying to just shut you down to to basically like off frequently large companies take out smaller companies in the same space in order to eliminate competition? And then they shut down that service because it's not what they want to do. Was it one of those or was it was it something a bit different? Yeah, no, it was it was a bit different. Um, they they definitely wanted to utilize our services, but um, I I've, originally we worked with any artist on any label, um, and I think they saw the value that we provided as well as being you know profitable business. And for them, it's like you know this makes sense for them to take this in house. So how did that make you feel? Like you started this thing, you sold it, so presumably you made some money. And then you were 
continued in, uh, you were asked to continue to run it and then you were let go. So well, you, that's like a real roller coaster of emotion. So would you care to t- talk a little bit about like how you felt when you when you were acquired and then how you felt when, when I mean, have you talked about how you didn't quite fit in, but then then how you felt when you were let go and what? Yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, there, there was some, you know, there was some, there was some hurt feelings. I mean, for me, it was, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been unexpected. And, you know, I think, I think they, I think what, what, what were they kind of missed um, was the connection that we had with all the people that we hired. So um, for me, that was the hard part is that, um, you know, we built this team of great people and I, we, you know, we felt responsible for them. And now, you know, it, it didn't look great um, for the people who started this business and, you know, brought them up, nurtured them in their careers to be let go um, by their new employer. So um, I, I think my, my, uh, my personal feelings were more of, you know, just kind of, uh, sadness about not being able to be there for them. Um, so, uh, but then at the, at the same point, you know, the other side of that for me was that, um, I didn't really enjoy working in that, in that environment. Um, so it was somewhat being set free. Uh, and you know, I, I did more at that point, I decided I was going to to do something more, uh, along the lines of, of what I really believed. So, so when was that, um, that, you that was to... that was 2012. Okay, so that you got um like another 10 years. Yes. Artist verified. Artist yep. verified was still. Well, artist verified is 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 only a, a year in. So yeah. uh in between that, I start so what what I did at that point, uh, I started my own LLC to consult uh and work projects. And that's what a lot of people in, in my situation do is they take an opportunity to uh, leverage what they know and what they're good at uh and take it to uh you know their contacts and say, listen, I'm I'm not I'm not here anymore, but um I, I would love to help you out. Um we've worked together um and I I believe that I can really help you grow your business. Uh uh, one of the companies that I reached out to was the b- backend technology provider of Artist Arena. So they asked me to be their um, music-facing business development person. Um, and I did that um, on a contract at first, and then I became a full-time employee there uh, for two years. And you know, at the same time, um, it also gave me an opportunity to um, be around my daughter, um, because I worked from home from, for that entire period. So, um, I was essentially the primary caregiver of my daughter, um, between when she was four and, you know, essentially it still, it still is. Yeah. I can relate to that. I mean, definitely when, um, nannies weren't available or, 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 or somebody bailed on pickup, I was always there because, you know, I could just say to my colleagues, look, can you look after my three o'clock meeting or whatever? And they'd, they'd take care of it. And I'd just rush down and sweep up my son, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that kind of flexibility. I think everybody's experiencing that now or has experienced it because of the COVID pandemic. And it's yep. more flexibility than some people like. Um, and certainly some of the um, 
I mean, maybe not in your case, but in a lot of cases, there's a there's a degree of of isolation and loneliness with this freedom and working from home, which is not everybody's cup of tea. Um, do do you do, I mean do you get out a lot to meet people when when you're doing this kind of work? Yeah, I I mean I really do. Um, you, you know, I mean. Well, when I was doing, you know, the consultancies and the and things, you know, I would I would be in their office, you know, at least twice a week. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I felt like, you know, w what I missed about, you know, being around people all the time, um, I actually it, it, it didn't it didn't come close to um the benefit of the flexibility that i had so um you know i i'm a social person so i i whether i'm in a room with somebody or on zoom with somebody uh or hanging out with you know my daughter and talking to somebody it's it's i i don't feel uh i i rarely feel uh lonely okay. i i haven't felt that way in many many years that's great okay yeah so let's talk about Artists Verified now. So um, what made you think about it? <clears throat> and what So tell us what it is. Okay. And then tell us how you came to that, uh, arrived at that idea. Sure. Um, so I guess what I'm, I'll tell what it is um, and, and how I arrived at the idea at the same time. So basically um, during COVID, uh, up until the COVID period, most of my clients um, were either ticketing companies or companies directly affiliated with the live music industry. So um, when that stopped during COVID, so did my uh, contracts. And I, at that point, I, I kind of felt like um, I wanted to take a step um, in, a, in a slightly different direction away from the ticketing because it was just I didn't feel like I was really learning anything and I, and I love to learn new things. So um, I really was kind of fascinated with blockchain um, and what was uh, what was happening with blockchain and music. Um, and I really, you know, took the opportunity during COVID to learn blockchain and study uh, what it is, how it works, um, what the opportunities are. Um, and I saw, you know, how, it was first applied in the music industry with NFTs. Um, and I understood why, but to me, there was more that blockchain had to offer to the music industry that um, wasn't about uh, selling NFTs. And specifically, uh, digital identity, um, I found to be something that was fascinating um, in uh, the context of Web 2 moving into Web 3 um, and the the issue that artists faced during COVID, which was how do we make money when we don't know who our fans are and how to reach them because we're dependent on connecting in the live environment. So um, when you when you take a step and back and, and look at how artists and fans connect and engage it's basically they use, you know, the 10 or 15 platforms that they're kind of forced to use um, because they don't own a direct relationship with their fans through any type of platform designed specifically for that. Let me stop you there. For sure. a second. So you talk about these 10 or 15 different platforms. Which of those currently is the most used? 
would it be Instagram or would it be Facebook or uh, by artists? I mean, yeah, by, by artists. if you take out email, um, uh, definitely Instagram uh, for music artists, followed probably by Facebook. TikTok is big now uh, with certain genres of music. Um, you know, some artists uh, use SMS text uh, to communicate with their fans. Uh, some artists use platforms uh, like uh, Discord, uh, have communities out there. Uh, so how can you measure the efficacy um, of these different things? I mean, I'm sure like larger bands will have a social media manager who does everything from email outreach to uh, Instagram posts. Right. And then you're telling me they don't know, they're just like dropping pebbles in a well and they don't know what. You exactly. Know. Yeah. You, you don't gonna come back. Yeah, no, there's really, I mean, across the board, the metrics are not there uh, to really uh, determine the efficacy of any type of outreach other than, you know, if you're sending an email, you know, the people opened it. Okay. Uh, if you post on Facebook, uh, you, you, you know, you might get likes, um, you might see how many people viewed it. Um, but in general, it's, you know, when you target your blast on any of these social media platforms, A, you have to pay for it. Uh, and then B, it's, you don't know, you know, if the people saw it or not. Um, so there's really no way to measure the success or failure of those type of uh, initiatives. Okay, now now let's talk about how your platform uh, uh, solves those, those issues. Sure. So our platform is designed for direct communication um, with your fans based on the fans opting to be there. You mentioned it's free for artists. Is it also free for fans? It it will be free for fans initially. Um, we are the 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 plan is for it to be a freemium model um, where if as a fan you want uh, to be to be able to do certain things like gated pre-sale opportunities or unique content opportunities with the artists that you follow are there any privacy issues with uh i know there's new laws coming into place in um uh, i think connecticut california and uh can't remember where else but one of the other states beginning with a c mm -hmm. um, uh, are there any privacy issues uh about the information you're sharing with the bands uh, no, because we're we will ask the fan to opt in to share that data at every point. So uh, we we're, we're our fan module is based on self sovereign identity. So you establish your digital identity on the blockchain, and you decide what pieces of information about yourself you are willing to share with those artists that are on our platform that you follow. So what size of bands are you i mean what what kinds of bands are you attracting at this point so you know we're building the mvp right now so our band and artist outreach is it's it's been at a very high level uh more about getting um you know flagship type artists and uh but the 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 platform itself really is we want to get the you know the hot the the cold plays and in Taylor Swifts of the world on the platform, but it's not really designed for them. It's designed for artists that are growing their fan base. So your marketing efforts at the moment are strictly to to artists and will continue to be to artists. Is that correct? Um, 
at, at this point, yes. Um, once we launch our MVP, um, every artist in the world, well, about 40, the, the top 40,000 artists at a minimum will already have profiles on our platform. Okay. So um, what would you consider, <clears throat> uh, what would success look like for you? Success uh, for me, I mean, you know, th th this is this project is more of a personal project than really financial for me. Um, so success is a platform that that I helped create, uh, making a better impact on the music industry and taking a lot of the noise and third party, you know, people getting the cut that don't necessarily need to be there out of the equation and letting artists really control their careers and their career longevity. So um, really kind of saying artists now have the ability to run their own career and business on a platform that is just there for everybody, not, you know, not partner with this label or this third party platform to help you grow your career you have all the tools you need you have the connection with your fans now um, so that's how you would define success if you could do it again i mean i know this isn't your first rodeo and you're only a year in mm -hmm. so it may be a little bit premature to ask this question but if you were doing it again what would you do differently or do you think you've got everything like do you think Okay, so we've only made minor mistakes so far. With yeah, I mean, I I don't know that we've made any any huge mistakes to this point. I think, uh, I think marketing um, an idea at the get go sometimes um, it, it's 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 easy to fall into the trap of trying to uh, iterate the final product and and explain you know all the things that your vision could be and really try to do everything for everybody. Whereas sometimes you just need to find out what that basic value proposition is that you see and really kind of focus on that and, you know, work, you know, the way that you market the idea to investors or advisors, you know, really try to, to be simple. Um, and, and that's just something that, it's not only, you know, in, in business, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a, I'm a writer. So I, I have a hard time uh, being concise sometimes. And in business um, you have to be concise because, you know, people don't have time to listen to uh, a 60 second pitch, uh, unfortunately um, in a, in an initial email, like you got, you got to be able to get to the point and, you know, you got to hook somebody just based on on what the, what you're what you're doing. What what what? How are you going to make something better? So, with regard to that, and following up on that, you're saying like you you got to focus on the core. So, with your minimum viable product, your MVP, what have you? Uh, what core functionality are you keeping, and what things did you have a really hard time throwing away? Sure. So not, not throwing away entirely, but just, well, we'll defer this until later. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things about our platform is that we, we've, you know, we're, we're already, you know, 50% or more into the MVP build. Um, and we 
the strategy we took was to do everything that we thought we would need to have from the ground level. So we have uh, very robust profiles in place for thousands of artists already. And we have, um, you know, the ability to, you know, turn things on and turn things off. Um, and we may, you know, we may discover that at the end of the day, you know, that's not what the artists care about. That's not what the fans care about. Maybe they just care about the connections. So um, let me ask you a slightly different question now. And um, I know that you've, you've brought on a, a partner from our previous conversation. I know you've brought on a partner who's your technical partner. And I think you're, you're, you're splitting it down the middle. You've got 50, each have 50% of the company. Is that correct? It's pretty correct. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's about 50%. You're right. So how has that changed? Well, I mean, obviously it's enabled you to do a lot of things you couldn't probably do on your own, but um, so that's the advantage. What, what, um, you know, what other effects has it had on, on your approach to, to the business? Um, you know, are there any things you've had to leave behind because they really don't like it or anything like that? Um, well, it's, it's interesting. Cause I'm like, when you ask the question, I, I'm like thinking, man, why I, I am so lucky to have my partner that I have um, because he, you know, he's been doing the, the, the technical design and development for years, just like I have in the music side. Um, and, you know, he's been CTO for n numerous companies and been, uh, you know, so companies that have sold and, and he has the experience not only on the technical side, but just on the the executive level side, uh, more so than I have. Um, and you know, he's very adept uh, at that side of of the business, which I you know I should be. Uh, and you know, but this is uh, you know this is my first corporation that I've started, um, and it's it's different. There's a lot of things you need to learn. Um, but also. You can't know everything. It's just no, no, you can't. And you got to be open minded and you got to you got to you got to be prepared to, to understand that you there's so much that you don't know. Um, but but on the technical side, he really like I had a call early on when it was just me with somebody and they're like, you know, it was a it was a service provider. It wasn't even like an, uh, an investor. And they're like, hey, I'm just going to give you some advice. You know, they're like, I, I, I'm not even going to talk to you again until you have a CTO. And because you can't do this on your own, you don't understand what you're trying to build. Um, and they were, and he was right. And I, from the, at that moment, I put out ads for a CTO. I interviewed many people, and I was really kind of shocked at the level of interest I had from people that were seriously established and experienced. Um, some w willing to leave high-paying gigs to to do this, um, and. I found my partner who happens to be in Brisbane, Australia, and he, the way that he expressed his interest in, in a very technical way, uh, which was very thought out and compelling and, you know, it took him a, a good amount of time to do, you know, and then speaking to him, it was like, this guy is, is exactly what I, what I'm looking for. And so I didn't realize he was in Australia. So have you guys ever met? No. Oh, right. So when are you planning on meeting at some point? We will meet. Uh, but it's it's funny because this is kind of like uh, this is kind of what happens today. Like um, we talk, you know, at least, 
you know, face to face on Zoom uh, at least, you know, seven times a week, uh, whether it's on a call with somebody else or we have uh, we always have two weekly meetings and then we we talk on Slack all day long. So um, I feel like we know each other pretty well, um, probably more so than some people that work in offices together. And um Although I, I, I'm looking forward to meeting him in person, um, you know, I don't feel like it's been a uh, hindrance to our business. As, as a matter of fact, like the way the the the, the time zone difference um, actually works great for us because um, we connect at the, at the beginning and end of, of our days. And then for the other time, somebody is always working on, on this project. So it's a 24 hour a day project going on. Uh, we also have uh, uh, contracted designers working for us um, in different parts of the world as well. So um, it's it's been really interesting uh, having a partner that I haven't met, but um, I, I have found zero uh, negative uh, impact from that. That's really interesting. I was going to ask you about the time zone, but you already answered that question. Yeah. So, um, so I get the idea like this is your passion project as well. So I'm guessing there's no exit strategy. You just want to keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, that's that's like the last thing that I'm thinking about. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, my exit would be when I don't when I feel like the idea and the uh, the ethos of, of the project continues without me, um, and without my partner, um, you know, it's, it's, this is about making the music space better because there's so many factors and so many, uh, problems that exist, uh, just because of the way that the music industry has developed over time and technology has really opened the door for a much better way for artists to have a career and you know engage their fans and for fans to really be able to feel connected to you know artists so let me ask you one final question so this podcast is you know the the founders predicament is aimed at you know people who are you know in a fresh startup or who want to leave their job and do a startup so uh given that this is it's really i, I mean i i know it's your first CEO role, but you have been in startups before, startup that was acquired, and then you did another startup. Um, what advice would you give someone who's about to take the plunge and develop their idea? What 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 would you say? Like what? How would you caution them, and how would you encourage them? What 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 should they go for, and what should they avoid? Yeah, I mean. One of the things that I think, you know, is, is important is not to be afraid to to share your idea uh, with other people. Um, you know, don't worry that somebody's going to take your idea and do it on their own. Um, just if 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 your idea is right and if your idea is going to be successful, it's because of you um, and you you have to believe in that. So, you know from a you know big picture you know status i would just say you know believe in what your product can be and 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 bring other people into it so that um you, you know you can't do it on your own that that's for sure and 
um the more the more people you have the more advocacy you have um the more chance of being successful you'll have so um that's kind of the big picture advice i have um, but also like be be open minded to um how you're be, un, understand that your idea you know might seem like perfect right as is but it it could change over time and it could be it turned into something completely different that you may not even understand. And you got to be open to that too. So. Well, so thank you so much, John. My uh, pleasure. Uh, so this is John. This was John Genzer from Artists Verified and I'm Ray Shah and this is the Founders Predicament. And thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Ray. Thanks for having me.